Hello, and welcome to Rockwood Live, the podcast edition. In the podcast edition, we get to know a little more about our guests, from how they got into technology to what they'd be doing if they decided this Kubernetes shit just wasn't for them anymore. Today, we're chatting with Ivan and Martin from Slim AI about Docker Slim. Hello, how's it going? Hello there. Very well. Hi. Doing great. But, thank you both for joining me. Um, let's start with you, Martin. Can you say hello and give us a brief introduction into you, please? Sure. Hello. My name's Martin Wimpress. I lead uh, developer relations and community at Slim AI. And uh, my background is, well, I'm a, a longtime Linux nerd. And prior to joining Slim, I was a canonical uh, engineering director for Ubuntu. And prior to that, working on large compute clusters for um, black box uh, aircraft aviation flight safety analysis for 10 years or so. So my container background comes from sort of that that world predominantly. Awesome. And Ivan? Yeah, uh, well, I'm just a long-time software engineer with a passion to infrastructure stuff and, and with a little bit of uh, software, uh, what's this, like site reliability experience as well. And I've been like moving from being a user, like a long time user of containers, to a finally a developer of a container related technology. So since May, I am uh, a part of the Slim AI engineering team uh, while doing all things containers. All right. Well, thank you for introducing yourself and sharing a bit more about you. Um, can we maybe start by just telling our audience uh, what is Docker Slim? Who wants to tackle that? Shall I start with the origin story and then maybe, Ivan, you can get into sort of the technical nuts and bolts. So uh, Docker Slim was created by our CTO, Kyle Quest, uh, about seven years ago now, uh, actually at a Docker sort of Hackfest event. And it, it won, I think it was second place at that event. So that was where it emerged. And really what Kyle, the problem that Kyle was trying to solve back there then was how do you make containers smaller without changing your workflow? So you're already producing your your Docker files, you're already producing your containers, and you want them to be smaller, but you don't necessarily want to move to another distribution in order to get the outcome that you're seeking. So the idea is is that Docker Slim is a post-processing capability. So you produce your containers in the normal way, and then you can produce these optimized containers as sort of a, a follow-on uh, event and, and produce a separate art- artifact. So in that in that sort of early time, the purpose of Docker Slim was to take your original container as an input and then create a smaller container based on the artifacts in that original container um, that has everything inside it that c- can actually run your app, you know, be it a service or a web app or even a command line utility. So that's sort of the origin story and why Docker Slim does what it does in the way that it does it. But um, Yvonne can give you much more insight into sort of, you know, how it actually works in internally and some of the other capabilities that it's grown over those seven years. Um, yeah, so... The thing is that, that, like, I myself, being a developer, uh, I've been struggling with this, uh, like, bloated container images. Like, not because of security reasons. Like, security stuff, it became popular only, like, a few years ago. But, uh, like, even five years ago, it was, like, a constant journey how to make images smaller. 
And for me, it always used to be, okay, I just need to be, I don't know, a wizard. I, I, I need to understand all these uh, like distros, which are smaller, which are like bigger. Like what, what packages should I install? What should I avoid? And I should not forget to clean up caches after doing some like, uh, you know, uh, uh, APT get installed and stuff like that. And like it was like a craft and, and like a hard-earned skill. Uh, but then I uh, just, uh, well, quite recently, I realized that that's not the only way. <laughs> um, my, actual, my actual acquaintance with uh, SlimAI started from a slightly different angle. I, I was a long-time fan of the portal, of the SaaS portal we had. And only later I learned that there is a tool behind it, and this tool is Docker Slim. And Docker Slim is, well... It's kind of a magical tool. Um, it's um, doing all this image modification for you, well, automatically. And uh, um, the trick is that um, it does a runtime analysis of your uh, containers. So instead of now following some elaborate techniques to build an image, I could just kind of, well, carelessly go with my favorite Linux distro uh, and put there are all the packages I need for my application to run, all the development package, all like the um, source code dependencies I need, get like a one, two gigabyte big image, then give it to Docker Slim. It will run it, analyze it, and produce a minified version of this image, which will be like 10 times smaller and it will still work. But, of course, we need to be careful. Like, we shouldn't be trusting this tool blindly. Much like with any other, with any addition to your Docker file, you wouldn't add, you know, like a line to drop some caches and then don't check your final image one more time. Same uh, with the Docker Slim. Like, once you minified your image, you still have to be, uh, like, testing it uh, as, as a very final step. Um, yeah, that's how my uh, kind of journey with Decker Slim started. So if you could please both take a few minutes to share, how did you get started in tech? Uh, Martin, let's start with you, since you look very pensive there. <laughs> my next door neighbor, when I was about six years old, had a Dragon 32. And my dad used to go around to his house to watch the football on their color TV. And I used to play on this Dragon 32. And that sparked my interest in computers until I got my own VIC-20, where I taught myself to program in, you know, assembly and what have you. So from a very early age, I knew that I wanted to be involved in computers in some way or other. And so from, yeah, the age of nine, having my own computer, I've, I've, always known this is what I wanted to do the most. Like in my case, it was completely accidental. Uh, so I, I, I've been up to probably age of 20-something into sport uh, like and other non-technical things. So I actually got my, well, technically second, but uh, essentially first uh, laptop when I was like 22-year-old. And it was like a penultimate um, year in the university. Um, and one day I just got so bored by the, the university stuff that I started, uh, writing some code and I loved it. And since then, like it's been more than 10 years and I'm doing it like 
every day and night and weekend and like holidays. <laughs> yeah, but I started very late. Ah, two very different stories there. And I guess, I mean, a Dragon 32 and then a late starter in university. But still, you know, that's what's really great about technology is that it doesn't matter when you start. It doesn't matter what your background is. It's like we have, it's, it's, it's such a great, ecosystem. Anyone can learn to code by just going to Google and looking at some tutorials and there's loads of free resources. I love how available that coding is to the world. All right. Well, why don't we get a little bit more specific then? Uh, you know, Dragon 32s are cool and all, Martin, but how did you end up in this terrible container space? Gosh, that's a long story. I'm, tr- I'm just trying to think how to cut this down to not be boring. I worked at Sun Microsystems and worked on a project called Sun PC, which is an add-in board for Sun Workstations, which was basically like an AMD daughter board that you could plug into a Sun Workstation. And it was like proto-virtual machines, so you could run a PC inside your Sun Workstation. So that was my first introduction to running, you know, another operating system on my workstation. And from there, you know, virtual machines with VMware and things like that. And ultimately, trying to use virtual machines in production deployments, I was working for a company that did analysis of black box flight recorder data, and we were deploying virtual machines into our data center to run these various things. And particularly with the databases, we started to hit all kinds of IO bottlenecks with virtual machines. And back in those days, it was pre-Docker. And I think like the proto container platform at the time was OpenVZ. So I got started with containers through OpenVZ, moving virtual machines of stuff that we were deploying into production to OpenVZ. And I think we were using Proxmox as the platform to sort of do that transition from managing virtual machines to OpenVZ containers. And then as the industry sort of, you know, caught up with containers being the way to solve the server density problem, then migrated to, uh, you know, Docker and what was it back then? Uh, Core, Core OS and Rocket and things like that. There was a wider set of tools in the early container ecosystem. Uh, it was a, bit, a lot more flourishing then. You've also mentioned a lot of companies and terms that I have not heard in a long time there. I was thinking... How many people in my audience even know who Sun Microsystems are? I, I'm really curious. I'm going to stick a poll out on that. <laughs> No, I think you'd be really surprised. I don't think anyone... I mean, Sun Microsystems haven't been relevant for 20 years, at least. So I would assume a lot of people just have no idea. But yeah, it's very cool technology. I can't remember. I can't remember what the open one was, but it was the same at the same time as like, Jails came out from BSD as well. I remember there being similar product. Right. Ivan, how did you end up here? Yeah, it was some sort of a brute force search. <laughs> so like, uh, as I started pretty late, I, I, I didn't really know what to focus on. So I started from some, I don't know, things that uh, students would need, like some labs doing for other students. Uh, so all, all sorts of things. Then I uh, transitioned, uh, my very first position was more like a front-end developer. Then I transitioned to back-end, uh, then to full-stack, then to some sort of, I don't know, super full-stack when you would start from spinning up your virtual machines and then go in through back-end development to the front-end side of things. So like I, I've tried everything. Um, and I just was listening to myself, like and uh, like what I actually like. I, I even tried uh, machine learning uh, 
not uh, as a paid job, but like on weekends. And this was like clearly not a thing for me. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it like at all. Uh, some things I enjoyed more, some things I enjoyed less. So I just uh, understood in the end that uh, infrastructure is like the most um, kind of exciting domain for me. So I started uh, like gradually transi- transitioning to infrastructure and becoming more like an SRE kind of person than a regular developer. And uh, I still remember like how a couple of years ago I was Googling like uh, Docker versus Kubernetes. What's the difference? Um, yeah, I think it was 2018 or so. Um, yeah, and uh, once I ended up in the infrastructure domain, of course, like containers was a no-brainer. Like, are there other options? There are, and we can maybe talk about them in a minute. But yeah, I, I love that, you know, what, just four years ago, you were Googling what's the difference between Docker and Kubernetes, and now you're one of the most prominent figures in the container ecosystem. Like, your blog is referenced everywhere for having hands-on deep dive content. Like, it's amazing how quickly you've, you've, you've done that migration and picked up all that knowledge. That's well done. Yeah, I think that's because of that. Like, since I started pretty late, I, I, I just, um, I, like, couldn't um, miss the opportunity. So I, I, I doubled down on it. Awesome. If you want to learn more about Docker Slim and see us kick the tires on it with a hands-on demo, then head over to rockcode.live slash slim. As well as the demo, we talk more about containers, debugging container image sizes, and diving deep into how Slim AI works. It's not to be missed. Now let's learn a little more about our guest. So outside of containers then, or, or Kubernetes and Docker, what, what excites you the most from a technology perspective? Like, Is there anything that you see coming down the line that you think is interesting, exciting, you want to play with more? What have you got your eye on? Um, something I've got my eye on that I'm actively playing with is WebAssembly. And something I've got my eye on but ha- haven't got, got enough of a grasp of yet is eBPF. <laughs> Those are my two as well. I'm laughing because it's exactly the same boat. I love WebAssembly, I love eBPF, and I'm trying to use them more and more because I just I think they're very exciting too. Um, what, what about you even? Yeah, I'm looking more, more into... I mean, there's two technologies you just mentioned there that super exciting and I'm looking forward to see like more application of them. But uh, like my interest is uh, more like in high level things. Uh, essentially, what would be the AWS 2.0? Like AWS tremendously simplified life for developers when it used to be just like, okay, figure out how take your own like machine somewhere to go click a button and you have an AC2 instance. But now it's getting overly complicated and uh, we are getting services like Netlify or Render and uh, or Fly.io and they're kind of next uh, generation of uh, things. And I'm just looking forward to see more uh, and more services like that that would simplify life for middle ground developers, let's put it like that. So because of course there will be like hyperscalers doing super complex uh, stuff on top of AWS or like, but there is like much more people doing uh, like regular services and they don't really need this much complexity. And I'm looking forward to see how the life will become better for them. Wow, I feel called out a little bit there. I'm not going to lie. Like I have regular services that get tens of traffic a day and I run them on Kubernetes clusters with service meshes and 
<laughs> and monitoring and observability and tracing. And I'm just like, mostly because I obviously I enjoy being in this space and I enjoy playing with these tools, but it's, it's so overkill for something I could just stick on an EC2 machine in one container or even Netlify or Fly. Like those are all great services. And so, yeah. All right. This is the one that people always find hard, but if you weren't in technology, what would you be doing? I'd probably be a chef. That was my first career as it happened. So uh, I was a chef for about 18 months and then went to university to study software development. But cooking is still a passion and I could be quite happy with that as as a job, I think, as well. What's your, what's the, the dish that you make? Do you have one? Uh, well, the one that I make that people enjoy the most is uh, roast pork belly with a mushroom and sherry sauce. I'm on my way. Already solving. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about you, Ivan? Well, I guess something like woodworking or just uh, uh, any kind of cr- craftsmanship. So I, I feel like I would be like a great... Uh, candidate for, for this kind of, because like I, I, I love to use my hands to make things and I have absolutely zero time because I'm in tech. Like, yeah, um, but I'm looking forward to my retirement. Yeah, you're just going to end up living in some sort of cabin in the wilderness building stuff all day, right? That would be amazing. Yep. So cool. All right, well, thank you both for sharing a little bit more about yourselves. I'm now going to move into the quick fire round. So what this works is we start off with what's your favorite? So I'm going to ask you five questions or at least a couple of words. And I just want to say, I want you to answer with your favorite of the thing. Please don't think about it. Answer the first thing that comes to your head. Now, because there's two of you, I'm going to ask that. Uh, Martin, you start, answer first. And then Ivan, as quickly as you can afterwards would be great. So what's your favorite? Number one, Linux distribution. Ubuntu. Plus one. <laughs> Command line application. Oh, gosh. Um... <laughs> Fish shell. Yeah, arcade. Arcade. Nice call it to Alex Ellis there. Monospace font. Ubuntu monospace with uh, PowerShell bindings. Yeah, I, I, I have to confess, I, I have no idea what font I use. No Not problem. Into <laughs> <laughs> some people have very strong opinions on their font, and some people. I know, I know, I know, I know, and I'm one of them who just don't care. All right. <laughs> Your favorite code editor. Visual Studio Code. VI. Managed Kubernetes service. Um, GCR. I haven't used one. I'm a bare metal guy. Me too. Bare metal all the way. All right. Thank you both for that. Like I said, there's no right or wrong answer. These are just fun, quick fire things. All right. uh, Simple question. We'll rotate. In fact, fact, let's keep the order the same this time. Martin first and then Ivan. And then for the last two sections, we'll rotate it so it's the other way around. Because Ivan's been getting a little bit more wiggle time on these questions. (laughs) <laughs> what is the first thing you install to a Kubernetes cluster? I don't do that often enough to have a good answer <laughs> to that question as it happens. <laughs> That's all right too, no worry. Yeah, me neither. Like, uh, in my case, it's either, you know, like this uh, fire and forget cluster for some experimentation or nothing because, <laughs> yeah. because I, I'm, I'm not on Kubernetes at the moment. But when I used to be, it would be like a long living cluster. You would, you like usually don't install thing on it uh, because everything already installed there. You uninstall things. Right. Well, I'll give you six more months and you can both answer that question with Docker Slim Operator. But you know, for now, oh, that's good. <laughs> that would have been a good answer, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, let's swap the order now. We're going to start with you, Ivan, and then Martin. So I'm going to, in fact, for this question, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to name a couple of words and then ask you a question. So I'm going to say five terms here. And Ivan, I want you to pick one. And then Martin, I'll ask you to pick one. And this is not going to be fair because Martin's going to get a slight advantage here, but that's okay. So GitOps, Service Mesh, Sidecar, Helm, and Operator. Pick one of those terms, please. Sidecar. Sidecar. And only four words. Explain what a sidecar is. Uh, it's your best container friend. <laughs> I'll take it. Awesome. Uh, all right, Martin, pick one of those terms and describe it in four words. You have a, a, a bit of an advantage, of course, on this one. <laughs> Helm. Right, four words. Go for it. Extremely useful. <laughs> I mean, not the four words I would pick, but I'll take it. All right. So last quick fire round and then we are all done for today. So thank you both for, for playing along with us. Uh, again, starting with Ivan uh, and then Martin. For each word that I mention, I want you to say the first word that comes to your mind. All right, Ivan, WebAssembly. Uh, interesting. Martin? The future. All right, back to Ivan. Arbeck. Cheated. Essential but complicated. <laughs> All right. Uh, crash loop back off. <laughs> Same as for an back. <laughs> <laughs> I have no experience. No problem. All right. Last one. Easy one. Twitter. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, um, I, I prefer to call it a tool for thought these days. All right. Uh, Martin. I'm actually at a loss. <laughs> Speechless. To that's, that's Twitter. The yeah. yeah the, in in the, in the current in the current day. Yeah. All right. No worries. It's Go essential, it. but essential. begrudgingly so. All right. Awesome. Do you, either of you have anything else you want to share before we finish up for today? No. Other than to encourage people to, if they if they like what they've seen and and, that, and they see some benefit for using it in their own environments, give it a try. Docker Slim is fully open source. It's available on GitHub. Just come and grab it and test it. Have a play with it. We're always interested to hear new and interesting and unusual use cases. So if you find an edge case, um, tell us about that as well. And also the Slim SaaS platform is also uh, free to use as well, which can do all of the things that we've just demonstrated to you in a web platform and connect all of your public and private registries. So give Docker Slim a try. And if, if you have success there, then maybe take a look at the Slim SaaS platform as well and see what additional insight you can get about your container images, including... Um, security analysis, for example. And of course, uh, like if you have any further questions, like just join our Discord. Like we are always happy to to chat about this, even if it's not a question. Just just you feel like talking about containers. Join our Discord. All right, awesome. Well, thank you so much for for joining me, both of you. It's been an absolute pleasure learning more about Docker Slim. All of the demos worked as well, except for the stuff that I broke by not having Kube Control available. But you know, we got past that. Um, so hopefully we'll speak again <laughs> soon. Have a, a great day. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Rockwood Live. As a reminder, we live stream episodes of Rockwood Live every single week on YouTube at rockcode.live. Until next time, slash. Thank you for watching Rockwood Live.